you know, the old, the old hymns, these are the old hymns in the old red hymn book, they always finished with Amen. I just wanted to sing Amen at the end of that one. Oh, we're going to do it? Let's do it. Amen. That's wonderful. That's wonderful. Thank you. Thank you. Turn with me, if you would, in your own Bibles, or the Bibles provided for you in the pews, to Mark chapter 5, and we begin reading at verse 21. Mark chapter 5, and reading at verse 21. That's on page 39 of the New Testament section of the Bibles. Uh, I'm going to... I'm going to plead your indulgence and ask your forgiveness uh, this morning. Um, I, uh, I was at a funeral of a 10-year-old boy yesterday, and this is a very difficult passage to read in that context. So please, please indulge me, please forgive me. When Jesus had crossed again in the boat to the other side, a great crowd gathered around him, and he was by the sea. Then one of the leaders of the synagogue, named Jairus, came, and when he saw him, he fell at his feet and begged him repeatedly. John, could you help me out, please? Do you mind? If you don't mind reading the passage for me, that'd be very great. Verses 21 to 43. Thank you. When Jesus had crossed again in the boat to the other side, a great crowd gathered around him, and he was by the sea. Then one of the leaders of the synagogue named Jairus came, and when he saw him, fell at his feet and begged him repeatedly, My little daughter is at the point of death. Come lay your hands on her so that she may be made well and live. So he went with him. And a large crowd followed him and pressed in on him. Now there was a woman who had been suffering from hemorrhages for 12 years. She had endured much under many physicians and had spent all that she had, and she was no better, but rather grew worse. She had heard about Jesus and came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak. For she said, If I but touch his clothes, I will be made well. Immediately her hemorrhage stopped, and she felt in her body that she was healed of her disease. Immediately aware that the power had gone forth from him, Jesus turned about in the crowd and said, Who touched my clothes? And his disciples said to him, You see the crowd pressing in on you. How can you say, Who touched me? He looked all around to see who had done it. But the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came in fear and trembling, fell down before him, and told him the whole truth. He said to her, Daughter, Your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. While he was still speaking, some people came from the leader's house to say, Your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? But overhearing what they said, Jesus said to the leader of the synagogue, Do not fear, only believe. He allowed no one to follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. When they came to the house of the leader of the synagogue, he saw a commotion, people weeping and wailing loudly. When he had entered, he said to them, Why do you make a commotion and weep? The child is not dead, but sleeping. 
And they laughed at him. They put, then he put them all outside and took the child's father and mother and those who were with him and went in where the child was. He took her by the hand and said to her, Talitha kum, which means little girl, get up. And immediately the girl got up and began to walk about. She was 12 years of age. At this they were overcome with amazement. He strictly ordered them that no one should know this and told them to give her something to eat. This is the word of the Lord. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. It's never easy to say goodbye. Never easy to say goodbye to, to anybody. I think about some of the, the goodbyes that have taken place in, in my life. I think about um, when I first went off to college, I remember my mother came on the train with me to Edinburgh. We spent a lovely uh, day together, absolutely beautiful day. We had lunch and I was gonna walk my mum uh, back to the train station, back to Waverley Station in Edinburgh. And we were standing outside the restaurant. It was a, it was a pizza restaurant. And my mom said, no, I'm, I'm going to go myself. You, on you go. And I said, really? She said, yeah. So she turned around and walked across uh, Southbridge, heading back down to Waverley Station. That was my mom's way in that moment of saying goodbye. The goodbye itself was too hard for her to say. I think some of us I, I, who have just sent or are getting ready to send our children off to college are facing that type of goodbye again. In 1996, we came, Maureen and I came over to the States. At that time, it was only for a year. As time went on, we ended up staying for 22 years now in the States. But that first time, even although it was only a year, I think in the back of our mind, in the back of the minds of our families, there was the possibility that we may never be going back. This may become our home. And it did. And that goodbye was very hard. The hardest goodbye for me was to say goodbye to my papa. I mentioned him last week. Lovely man called Bobby Deans. The one about whom I tell many stories, some of them being true. Remember? <laughs> he at that time was, um, he was almost 90 years old. And when we came over to the States, I didn't know if I would ever see him again. My, my own father had died when I was very young. I was only five when my father died. So both my grandfathers became very much like fathers to me. Um, Bobby Deans especially. We spent time together every week, um, often multiple times a week, and he was, was more than a grandfather. He was my papa. He was my, a dear, dear friend to me. And it broke my heart to say goodbye to him. And every time we came back to Scotland, I would say goodbye to him again. And it would break my heart again. Goodbyes are never easy. Yesterday was a very difficult goodbye. I never knew Connor. I met Connor a couple of times. 
but I uh, knew his mother very well. She and I had worked together at Fellowship Village. She uh, was and is the director of nursing for hospice. Not only was I chaplain for Fellowship Senior Living, the organization for the residents, for the staff, I was also chaplain for hospice as well. And that meant that uh, Elena and I spent time together almost every day. She became a very, very good friend. And I heard just uh, about a month ago that Connor, we've been praying for him in our prayer list. He had a, a massive bleed in, in his brain, has been in a coma for three or four weeks, an induced coma to try and help his brain to heal. But last Friday, he, um, last Friday he uh, went into septic shock and was flown down to, to Chalk. He had a massive uh, seizure on Monday and never recovered from that, died on, on Tuesday. And his memorial service was, was yesterday. Hundreds of people had gathered for that service to say goodbye to a life that had barely begun, but a life filled with so much love and a life that was loved so intimately and so intensely. And even although I barely knew that little boy, I said goodbye. All of us have goodbyes in our lives. That's part of what's going on in the passage that, that, that John read for us today. A father saying goodbye to his daughter. All of us, one way or another, have experienced loss. And whenever we, we face loss, whenever we face death, no matter how prepared we may be for that, it always always, always comes as a surprise. We're never fully ready for death, especially when death comes upon us suddenly. There are always things that we wished we had done. There are always things that we wished we had said. There are things <laughs> that we wish we had left unsaid. And there, yeah, there's regrets. And they linger for a while, but they fade. And what we're left with is the memory of the one that we loved so very, very dearly. The hard thing about this passage for me is that the passage ends not with death, but it ends with resurrection. It ends with life. Well, what about for Connor? What about for those loved ones of ours? That father got to embrace his daughter again. Jesus said, little girl, arise. Why don't we get to embrace the ones that we love and that we lose? What do we do with a passage like this in the face of tragic death? As I talked about last week, there are, there are details in John's Gospel that are there for a reason. Not John's Gospel, in Mark's Gospel, that are there for a reason. There are things that we must not skip over. There are things that we must notice and we must hold on to. And in this story, although the story ends with resurrection, 
At the heart of the story, again, is none other than Jesus Christ himself. Jesus is at the beginning of the story, he's in the middle of the story, he's at the end of the story. The entire story is about him and it's about his presence. Jesus said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. I will be with you always. In the psalm that we sung this morning, the text said, In a different translation, though the sorrows may last for a night, joy comes in the morning. Or maybe not tomorrow morning. Maybe not the next day. Maybe not the day after that. But one day, we wake up. And it's maybe not overwhelming joy. It might not even be something that we recognize as joy. But trusting in the Lord... We maybe, we maybe know peace. Maybe something that we can call peace. We maybe get a sense that there is life because we wake up each day. My friend Elena, she wakes up in the morning waiting for Connor to come running through. <coughs> and he doesn't. Joy will come. One of the great mystics in the church, Mother Julian of Norwich, she once wrote, the pain that we feel is because of sin, because of brokenness, because this world is inherently broken. The pain that we feel is because of that brokenness. But she goes on, but all shall be well. And all shall be well. And all manner of things shall be well. In the middle of last century, there was, a, there was a man whose name was Thomas Dorsey. Thomas A. Dorsey. Not Tommy Dorsey, the band leader. <laughs> but an African-American gospel singer. Um, he, was a, he was a Christian. He was a man whose heart's desire was to, was to serve Christ in, in all, all that he did. And he, he served Christ with his voice. As, as so many of us try to do, as Don did so ably for us this morning. Thomas would travel with itinerant evangelists. And he would sing at revivals in his own state, um, out of state, throughout a whole, a whole region. He would sing beautiful songs of praise to God as part of the revival experience. He married later in life. And uh, even after he married, he continued to take his gift and to sing at various uh, revivals. After a, a few years of marriage, his wife was found to be with child. And he was overjoyed, excited at this wonderful, wonderful prospect. It was close to time for her to give birth. And Thomas had been invited to go and sing at a revival out of state. He talked it over with his wife. Go, go and sing. It's your gift. Go and sing. He went. He was about to get onto stage, onto the stage, and he was handed a telegram. Bearing terrible news. Your son has been born. Your wife has died. 
He got the first bus back to his own town. He was there the very next morning and he held his brand new infant in his arms, celebrating new life whilst at the same time mourning the loss of his beloved wife. 24 hours later, his infant died in his arms. He buried his wife and his child on the same day. He turned his back on his faith. Where was God? Where is God in the midst of this? How could God take away this, these two lives that were so dearly, dearly loved? He couldn't sing. He could barely speak of God. And yet as time went on, he became more and more conscious of the continuing and sustaining presence of Christ as he awoke afresh every morning. And life continued. And one day, as he was sitting pondering his life, his relationship with Christ, some words came to him. He wrote these words down and sang what he learned later was not an original tune to him, but a, but a very old tune. He sang these words. Precious Lord, take my hand. Lead me on. Help me stand. I'm tired. I'm weak. I'm worn. Through the storm, through the night, lead me on to the light. Take my hand, precious Lord, and lead me home. On the days when we awake and we can't sense his presence, we can't sense that joy. Friends, may that be your prayer. Precious Lord, take my hand. And there are days we just won't feel it. But his promise remains true. He will take your hand and lead you into light into new life, into peace, and into joy. <coughs> Trust Him in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Now friends, may we sing these words together. I've changed the hymn. Hymn number 834. Precious Lord, take my hand.